0: Here we go. You are listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel Study. It's on July the 21st in the year of our Lord 2021. And those of you who are listening to yesterday's program, where we went over the hymn for this coming Sunday with Mark Smith, I, Tom Baker, asked Pastor Smith at the end of the program, who he considered to be the individual in the whole New Testament prior to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as one who had the most faith? Now, that's the question we're going to be taking a look at today. And the reason we're doing that is because when I do a sermon, I try and find out insights that I myself am unaware of because if i'm unaware of the insight then almost for sure most of the people in my congregation will be unaware of it now in the congregation i was at for 28 years i had five professors in it who were professors at concordia seminary st louis and so they obviously at times were aware of the insight particularly since I got some of the insights from their lectures. But we're going to be asking the question, if somebody were to ask you who demonstrated the greatest faith in the New Testament prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, maybe this will be helpful to you. It's actually from Mark chapter 14 beginning with verse 1. So I'll be reading from the ESV. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast lest there be an uproar from the people. So the first two verses of this passage talk about the chief priests and the scribes wanting to arrest Jesus in a sneaky way and put him to death. But they didn't want to do it during the feast because there were many people there who admired Jesus Christ and there would be an uproar from the people. So this particular passage begins with these two groups kind of, well, looking for a way to put Jesus to death. This is during Holy Week. Now, what's interesting is that the chief priests and the scribes were not natural allies because the chief priests were more freer in their thinking and more ready to compromise with the Romans in their culture, whereas the scribes were more conservative, allied with the Pharisees. But even with this difference, we see that both of these groups wanted to put Jesus to death because they were afraid that with his continued preaching as he was doing, this would lead to a split in Judaism and that perhaps even the Romans would come in and take away the power of the chief priests and the scribes. So that's kind of important to realize because it begins with these two groups trying to figure out how to take Jesus and kill him. And it's going to end that way also. But in the middle, beginning with verse 3, we find out that during Holy Week, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, As he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Well, first thing we want to note is that Jesus' ministry was not identical to that of John the baptizer. John the baptizer was in the wilderness at the River Jordan, baptizing people for the remission of sins. We don't find John the baptizer reclining at a table having a meal. We also find that Jesus was dealing with people that we would consider to be on the margins of society. Remember, he's talking to tax collectors, he's talking to prostitutes, and he's talking to a leper, the house of Simon the leper. So, it says he was reclining at a table. Now, that verb is very important because although at most meals, Jews would sit in chairs, when there was an honored guest, they would often recline. Now, how did that happen? Well, there was a very low table, perhaps in a semicircle, and the folks would lie down, and they would keep their, one, their head up with their one arm and then eat with their other arm, and their body and legs would be stretched behind them from the table. That's why that one woman was able to come in and anoint the feet of Jesus. She did not have to crawl under the table because his feet were away from the table. But this shows that Simon the leper considered Jesus to be an honored guest. But then we have this woman. She comes in with an alabaster flask of ointment, a pure nard, very, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Next verse. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted Like that, for this ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii, and giving to the poor, and they scolded her. So, you've got to understand, from a cultural point of view, what is going on here. In that day, those who were reclining were guests. Of Simon the leper and even the servants would not have been allowed to recline at the table they would eat standing up but Jesus was an honored guest and so much like at the Passover they were reclining at the table all of a sudden in walks a woman now, if you know anything about the culture of that day, you would not have women eating with the men in such a situation. There were those women who would wait till after the men were fed, and then they would eat. If you'll recall, there are a number of times in the Old Testament that a woman is hesitant even to talk to her husband. Remember Esther? That though she was the wife, she was taking her life in her hands to come before her husband without permission. Yet she did that because she wanted to tell him about how the Jews were being mistreated. So you've got the men lying around this table eating and in walks a woman. And what does the woman do? She has ointment and she breaks the flask of ointment and she pours the ointment over the head of Jesus. Now, Why would she be doing that? The the normal thinking, because it appears it happens in the Old Testament, is that certain oil would be poured over the head of those who were getting a higher office. For example, when Elijah, before he ascended into heaven he poured ointment on the head of Elisha. And then the prophet, when Saul became king, poured ointment or put ointment on Saul. And that also happened with David. So one could think that perhaps this woman is doing this because she's anointing Jesus for the office that he has received to be in mission to the people. But there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, the word for anointing used on Elisha, Saul, and David is not found in the original Greek. Second of all, When they were anointed, it wasn't because liquid was poured over their heads, but rather simple olive oil was simply smeared on them. And she wasn't using simple olive oil. She was using an alabaster flask of ointment that was very costly. Well, how costly was this? Verse 5 tells us, for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and therefore the people scolded her. Now, what's 300 denarii? Was a denarii like worth a penny in those days? No, a denarius was actually a day's wage. If you'll recall that one parable Jesus gave about hiring people early in the morning, and he said, I will give you a denarius, and then he hired people again at later in the morning, at noon, in the afternoon, and one hour before the farm was to close down for the day, but at the end, he paid them all the same, a denarius. And remember, a number of them who had been working all day were angry, saying, look, we worked a lot longer than this character who just worked for one hour. And Jesus said, did I not agree with you that you would get this denarius? Now, 300 denarii. Remember, Saturday was the Sabbath, and so no work was done on the Sabbath. So that's almost a year's worth of wages that this woman used in this flask of ointment. It doesn't say how she got the ointment, where she bought it from, where it came from. But it does say it was really expensive ointment, and they scolded her. Jesus says, verse 6, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. So looking back at the culture, and that's not what a layperson in the church pew is going to know, but it's something that we as pastors learn from both being at the seminary and continuing to read about these items. And there was a time, there was an occasion when oil would be poured over someone. There were two situations. One was used to welcome honored guests at a feast. The other use of putting oil over a body was to prepare a corpse for burial. So you can only imagine that if any of them were thinking, why was she doing this? they would realize she wasn't anointing Jesus for a higher office because she was pouring liquid on him, not smearing olive oil on him. And also, she probably was doing this because she considered him an honored guest at the feast. Well, what does Jesus say? He says, leave her alone. Don't be scolding her because 300 denarii, that's the cost of this ointment that she poured over my head. Verse 7, for you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. So what is Jesus saying here? In the next verse, he's giving the reason why she anointed him the way she did. Verse 8, Mark 14. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Now, the English translation is not very good there. Namely, she has done what she could. That verb used there can also mean to understand something. And so a better translation would be, she has done what she has come to understand. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Well, does that make any sense at all? In fact, Jesus goes on. Truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, we know what the gospel is. If you've been listening to law and gospel for any amount of time, the law are commands that we are to obey, whereas there's conditions to all of the commands. You do this, you'll get that. The gospel is unconditional. It is a message of the free forgiveness of sins without anything you have to do. It's why you're saved by grace, non-account of your works. So when this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. What is Jesus talking about? Well, why is she preparing Jesus as a corpse For burial. In the Gospel of Mark alone, three times Jesus gives a prediction that he's going to Jerusalem and he will die there. Remember what the attitude of the disciples were? They did not agree with him. In fact, Peter reprimanded him for saying such a thing. Oh, I'll protect you, seems to be the attitude of Peter. And what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. What Jesus is saying is that he is going to die in Jerusalem. And that's going to occur only a few days after this meal he's had at the house of Simon the leper. Now, he did not just tell those promises to his disciples. We know that Mary and Martha, at the death of Lazarus, both were aware that Lazarus would be raised from the dead on judgment day. But Jesus came and raised him from the dead on that day. So, these promises of him going to jerusalem to be put to death wow she believed these predictions and therefore why would she therefore go ahead and put on ointment as anointing his body beforehand for burial. Why didn't she just wait until he died? Well, the fact of the matter is that she knew he was going to die as a criminal. And criminals, therefore, were not buried properly normally. They were not at all anointed. And as a criminal... How did she know he would die as a criminal? Because he himself in his prophecy said he was going to be arrested and therefore on the cross die. How did she know it will be the cross? Well, that was a form of execution in those days. And she probably also read the Old Testament. Remember Psalm 22? He's going to be pierced in hands and feet. So therefore, there really isn't any question that by believing what he said, she believed that he would die as a criminal, be unable to be anointed for burial, and therefore she was doing it ahead of time. Well, why didn't she wait like the women did? Remember on Sunday, they came to the tomb thinking that they would therefore prepare his body properly by anointing him at that time? Because Jesus said something else in every one of those prophecies. Yes, he was going to die, but in three days, he would rise from the dead. What this woman knew is that she wouldn't have the opportunity to anoint his body before his death. And there would not be the opportunity to do so like the women thought three days later because he would have risen from the dead. This is no doubt, as one commentator says, the greatest act of faith by anyone in any of the gospel accounts. Mark has a tendency of doing this, where he'll take an inconsequential person. We don't even know this woman's name. But tell me someone else whose faith was such Even Mary did not have that faith that he would rise from the dead as she mourned at the cross with the other women. And the very fact that the women came on Sunday to anoint him showed that they did not really trust his word that he would be risen from the dead. This I agree is the greatest act of faith by any person in any of the gospel accounts prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember, the text began with both the priests and scribes trying to figure out how to put Jesus to death. Verse 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him, which took place, of course, at the Garden of Gethsemane. How much did they pay him? They paid him 30 shekels. The amount that the woman had spent to buy the ointment was five times what Judas received for betraying the Lord. Five times more. And so we have a text that begins, how are we going to kill Jesus, which ends with Judas going to kill him, and then the middle section talking about how Jesus' body is anointed for burial. And that is found because the woman believes the promises. Is there anybody else who believes him like she did? I can't think of anyone. I'm Tom Baker. Join with us tomorrow for Law and Gospel. God bless you.